If you ask Dennis Rodman about how he gets rebounds, he tells you that he studies the spins and he knows where balls... Shut the fuck up, cars. Oh, hold on. Sirens outside. Oh, sorry. There's a car horn. Let me... So what I have for this final 50... Oh, my God. We turn to one of the most complex... Shut up, car horns. Fuck. It's really funny. That Zoom's call some of the best... Oh, my fucking God. I think there's enough for me to put together all of these... (laughs) What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, continuing to be very good to existing on social media as coaches of the NBA. It's Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Gotta find the good things where it is, (laughs) you know? I love that they have consistently been solid. I also appreciate that it's very on brand for the two of them, whereas Pop is not actually on social media. He's just giving very impactful and powerful interviews about the situation at hand. And Steve Kerr is just consistently dunking on Trump every day. <laughs> Listen, that's exactly what I need. Just like Hassan Minaj, I wish that Adam Silver would step in and take control of the government at the moment so we could actually <laughs> deal with what's happening. Yeah, Got to find the basketball bright spots in the world that we're living in right now. Definitely. So speaking of basketball bright spots, we have an episode of Horse to Do, and that's the alternate title of this podcast is Basketball Bright Spots. But before we get into those bright spots, we're going to take some time to prepare ourselves in a little segment that we like to call the Teal Memorial Locker Room. Teal's great. Teal's doing very well. Teal's using her social media responsibly. She's uh, retweeting people who need it. She's elevating uh, black voices. It's just going great. She's not just doing that thing where she's like, I'm so heartbroken. She's actually doing stuff that matters. You know who also isn't heartbroken and is using their voice for good? Our new patrons. Our new patrons. So shout out to our new patrons, Matt Martyr and Hollywood with seven O's. (laughs) That's a good one. Shout out to Rio who upgraded their pledge and shout out to our new producer level patrons, Leah Loveless and someone that made their name and they wanted me specifically to pronounce it this way. LeBron James. LeBron no, James. not LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron this James. This middle name is LeBron, and he says that every time someone learns about his middle name, they pronounce it that way. So our new producer-level patron, LeBron James, joins our existing producers, Brian Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burge, I worked with Eric Stad, Shooby Dooby Doo, I am Adam Silver, Godzilla Gapuzzi, Wouter Vandermaiden, Soap Slam Chops, Steph Curry for three, Siobhan Ellsbury, Kendra Hadley, He Sells Seashells, Eileen Gazesh, Catherine Lee and Og Milk. <laughs> I, forgot. I forgot about Og Milk. That would hit me really nicely. All of you are Og Milk. I think Og Milk changed their patron name to like the real OGG or something, but I'm just going to live in a world where it's Og Milk, at least for one more episode. That's fine. Everyone is Og Milk. That's the nice thing that I'm saying about all of you. You know who else is very nice and also could be Og Milk if they wanted to be? It could be anyone. I'm, I don't know what this lead it is. It's the sponsors of this episode of Horse. Oh, okay. Our first sponsor is Backblaze. Backblaze is unlimited computer backup for Macs and PCs for only $6 a month, which, hey, not that much. And you know what's worth a lot? All of the data on your computer combined. We've both used Backblaze. It's super simple. It just runs in the background of your computer. And then you don't have to worry about plugging in an external hard drive and stuff and remembering to save everything. Backblaze does it without you having to think. I love not thinking. 
it's my favorite amount of thinking to do is not thinking. They have backed up over 50 billion files, which is an exabyte, which is oh, no. a billion gigabytes. An exabyte sounds like something that's going to take over the world. It sounds like one of the new Pokemon that I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's an exoskeleton. It's steel bug. It's an exoskeleton and just big teeth. Yeah, it's like just Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to join the exabyte of files that exist, you can try out Backblaze with a 15-day free trial at backblaze.com slash horse. So you can install it, see how you like it, see how truly easy it is to back up your stuff automatically, and you don't have to worry about paying for it. 15-day free trial. All you need to do is go to backblaze.com slash horse today. Yeah. Today's episode is also brought to you by Six to Start, the makers of Zombies Run, which I have used and Kelly, before recording this episode, told me to make sure that I let everyone know that she uses it too. Wait, Kelly uses it? She does! <laughs> All right, I downloaded it 20 times. <laughs> So, in response to worldwide lockdowns, they have launched a new series called The Home Front to support people staying at home, which I think is nice. I tried to do workouts at home. I was great the first month, and then I got bored. So, I'm glad that Six to Start is making some stuff that can help you spice it up a little bit so you're not just doing sit-ups upon sit-ups upon sit-ups. I love that Six to Start is trying to take the worst part out of exercise. It's boring and blows. So, like, I need that. That's great. It's fantastic. They have weekly home bodyweight workouts designed for beginners. So if you're just starting, that is okay. It combines storytelling with exercise, which is great. It's like when you combine something tasty with vegetables in a dish, you're taking something that isn't fun and you're adding a fun thing and you just focus on the fun. Ah, uh, they're the melty cheese on top of the broccoli. Yes, yes, there it is. These stories are written, recorded, and edited by their team from their own homes. So it gives you that sense of unity and hey, we're all in this together and it's completely free. There's no ads, there's no limits. It's just their gift to people who are staying safe by staying at home. So you can download that now, iPhone, Android, whatever. All you need to do is search for Zombies Run. And finally, we'd love to give a shout out to one of our favorite podcasts over on the HeadGum feed. I'm talking about All Fantasy Everything. Now, mm -hmm. if you love the energy that we bring on horse, All Fantasy Everything delivers that in spades. There are three guys, Ian Carmel, David Borey, and Sean Jordan are all comedians and they're hilarious. They do a fantasy draft of just like anything. Words that used to be cool but you wish were cool now. Uh, favorite fictional sports moments. It truly is other than the ones made by Multitude and, I, and I've made probably my favorite podcast right now. Go wherever you get your podcast to all fantasy everything. Also, we have approval from a Multitude Power listener. Polly Burridge made these insane uh, 90s skybox like basketball card versions of the hosts and the uh, producer of all fantasy everything. You've got to check this out. It's like the exact same vibe that we're bringing in horse. And uh, I love it so much. If you need something to uplift your spirits and you just want to laugh for an hour and a half, you got to listen and all fantasy everything. I will say that Polly made ones for Eric and I first. So ha 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 ha. No, it's a very good podcast. And if you like when we do three on three drafts of silly things like we're about to do in this episode, it's right in your wheelhouse. They were the original fantasy draft podcast, if that's saying something from what you're seeing all over the podcast landscape. So with that taken care of, we can get into our first true segment of horse, which we like to call full court press. Get it like the news. Ah, the news. It's so good. And notoriously fun. The news. Notoriously good for basketball and otherwise the news. So, Eric, the news is not super fun in the world. And unfortunately, basketball is seeping into that, too. But there is some good things happening. Let's focus on the good first. First, Jalen Brown 
One of your beloved Boston Celtics is doing big things in form of protest. He tweeted a lot about being at a protest. He drove 15 hours to get to the protest that he led. A lot of NBA players pointed towards his actions as being really good and something that more and more players should start doing. So I appreciated that Jalen Brown went out there and didn't just sit quietly in his very nice home that I assume he has, and he took to the streets. Jalen Brown is an example for all of us to follow. He's going above and beyond using his platform to elevate voices that have been put down for so long. I think it's incredibly impressive that he drove... 15 hours to get from Boston to Atlanta. But the fact that he drove from Boston, notoriously racist city, to Atlanta, hub of black culture, and the fact that he was leading marches there is just, he's just going above and beyond. I really just want to read his statement. This is a peaceful protest. Being a celebrity, being an NBA player doesn't exclude me from no conversations at all. First and foremost, I'm a black man and I'm a member of this community. We are raising awareness for some of the injustices that we've been seeing. It's not okay. As a young person, you've got to listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. I'm 23 years old. I don't know all the answers, but I feel how everybody else is feeling for sure. No question. So this is kind of like the reverse of what we usually do on horse is like Jalen Brown is a young person and that is to his benefit. He realizes how important he is in everything that's happening right now. It's truly heartwarming knowing that someone from my favorite team is going above and beyond like this. I also want to shout out Ennis Cantor as well. We've talked about his international protests before. Ennis Cantor has been fighting oppression in Turkey, and he went above and beyond and really put himself out there at the Boston protest. There was a really funny tweet. Ennis Cantor was wearing his own jersey. He's like, ah, good. We wouldn't have known who Ennis Cantor was, but he's making sure to stand out because I wouldn't have been able to figure out who the seven-foot-tall Turkish man was. Yeah, it's different when NBA players are seven feet tall because it's not just like seeing a celebrity and then saying, oh, that guy kind of looks like Neil Patrick Harris. It's that guy's seven feet tall and also looks like Ennis Cantor. I bet it's Ennis Cantor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Shout out to all the other NBA players who are really going out there and protesting and using their platform for good. Obviously, LeBron, a lot of them. It's been a lot on our timeline, so I just haven't seen a lot other than the Celtics I already follow. The people who are going out there and saying something is important. Um, as we turn to the not-so-great things that are out there. Hey, before we get into there, I do want to give one more positive shout-out to the NBA and the WNBA official accounts who have been posting really good things. The WNBA started an entire campaign bigger than ball with original artwork and merchandise that you can buy, and proceeds are going to charities. And the leagues themselves have been doing very good things. The NBA Twitter account has been posting interviews with players or the TNT crew or people involved in the league talking about the issues at hand. So I really appreciate that that is has been vocal and pretty much every single team in the league has made some sort of statement except for two the Spurs but the Spurs get somewhat of a pass because Greg Popovich had those amazing quotes talking about the situation at hand but the other team big old surprise the New York Knicks yay so James Dolan has refused to allow them to make any sort of statement from the Knicks account, MSG accounts, whatever it is. And he's been getting a lot of flack, not only for doing this, but also sending an internal email to all of the people that work for him saying that they're not going to address it. And it's that classic bullshit excuse when people say, oh, we're not well-versed in this, or it's not our position to talk about it as a sports team. It's complete bullshit. Anyone that has a platform should be using it 
for good. And every other team has stepped up in some form. And James Dolan, our idiot owner who has supported Trump in the past, whoa, big surprise, he doesn't want to speak up. Now, what does give me hope is that they had the front office version of a players only meeting where everyone except for James Dolan had a meeting to be like, hey, this fucking sucks and we're going to do something about it. And that's been happening today, the day that we're recording June 2nd. So I don't know what's going to come of this, but it does give me hope that it seems like everyone not named James Dolan that's involved in the Knicks is upset by this players and staff included. Yes. To this point, as we talk about the institutions that profit off of black players and us, and we're going to get into the media that talks about black players in basketball profiting off of this and being able to shove some of that under the rug. It's mind blowing to know. And I like, I'm not even going to approve of some of the stuff that these NBA teams and the corporate accounts have put out there because they're just like, we stand. They don't oh, even God. say black. The Mavs life. one was so bad. The, the Mavs one was atrocious. They're not even saying black lives matter. They're not saying the name of George Floyd. They're not saying the name of Breonna Taylor. They're just doing it so they don't get canceled and like it, it's just like lip service and the fact that white people they can go out and just be like oh it's so bad i wish basketball could come back and hopefully it'll come back and instead people are protesting like it's such a privileged position to be in and they're just doing it for the money james dolan as an incredibly rich white person can stay out of the way and he has no fear that the police is going to hurt him or kill him or oppress him in any sort of way and the fact that he can stay silent is only to his own privilege it's all just such corporate bullshit bringing a lot of stuff to light when you really look at it closely i saw something on instagram today that said if you think, oh, this issue doesn't affect me, that means you're privileged enough to feel like it doesn't. Right. And that is a call for you to take a step out and realize the situation you're in. And that's exactly what James Olin was saying here is like, oh, this doesn't affect us. Yes, it does. And if you think it doesn't, that's a problem. If you do want to see all of the brands doing very bad things and all of these awful statements, Vulture put together an article called The Revolution Will Not Be Branded. We'll link this on our website. And they describe it as, quote, the platitudinous word soup deployed from various brands has felt even more at odds with reality than usual. <laughs> it's so terrible. I saw Gene Demby has been assembling a bunch. It's just disgusting. Did you see Garfield Eats did a Black Lives Matter post? What even is Garfield Eats? The Garfield-themed restaurant in Canada. <laughs> oh, no. It's just like, what are you doing? Sometimes they're good, though. Like, Bratz the Dolls did a really good one, which is wild. It's just wild. <laughs> like... Oh, my God. I don't know if you've seen from the what we've been posting on Multidua, but we continuously have links if you would like to donate. And we'll put a link uh, to the place that we've been pushing people for donations in this episode description. If you are financially stable enough to donate, there's a lot of great charities out there. If you want to educate, there are many resources that have been put together with just links upon links of different things that you can read about history or what you can do going forward. And then also there have been people making YouTube videos where they're going to donate all of the ad money to charities. So you can just watch those or put them on in the background on mute. It's playing on my computer right now. I have to. So this is just us trying to motivate all of you that you can help in some capacity. Just take to the Internet to figure out how you can do it. There's a lot of avenues for you out there. Don't be like James Dolan is basically what we're trying to say here because he sucks a lot. You, no, and that 100%. includes full court press. Get it like the news. Oh, can I just add one addendum? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, just like, oh, fuck Bill Simmons. Just largely. 
Listen, if you're gonna spend if you're gonna spend 40 minutes going off about how terrible the world is with you and Ryan Rossillo, noted Trump supporter, like I think you can do better and ask any of the uh, black people that you have working for you at the Ringer uh, to come and talk about this. I don't need to listen to you, Bill Simmons, and someone who has been profiting off of covering a black sport for his entire life. Like, come on. I have not listened to this episode, so I cannot speak to it, but I can speak to the fact that Zach Lowe and Kevin O'Connor have both been incredible in being outspoken about it. And you should just listen and read their content instead. They're also just better at talking about basketball, too. So it's a win-win. <laughs> and that concludes Full Court Press. Get it like the news. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. Eric, for the rest of this episode, we are going to address the fact that in our 50th episode, we <laughs> didn't do what we planned, which was to talk about things celebrating that we made it to 50 episodes. We, we were just vibing off of the last dance stuff, but we had a whole episode planned that we didn't do. So for episode 51, we're celebrating 50 episodes. <laughs> That's fine. That works. We had to talk about Scotty Pippen for like 20 minutes. So what we've done today is we've prepared a three on three draft. It'll be a bit longer than standard ones because we have more fleshed out things all celebrating the number 50. So I'm very excited about this. Shout out to Kelly for coming up with this initial idea. Oh, and Kelly I Schubert? Think, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> she's the one who downloaded Zombies Run. Yep, she's the one, the visionary. Haha. -ha. So, Eric, I think we should, of course, rock, paper, scissors. We know you're going to kick my butt, but. Uh, <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. Rock, rock, paper, paper scissors, 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 shoot. Shoot. Ha ha! <laughs> the only way you can win is when there's so much lag. That's the only well, way I will you can say, win. I, I will say, I threw out my scissors first. <laughs> I didn't see it, but yes, go ahead. What would you like? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go second. <laughs> always. I don't know. I always win, and somehow you always go second. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I just want to win. <laughs> Whenever I win, you're like, okay, then you go first. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I've gone second one time. All right, that's fine. Um, so I assume that we'll start out by the thing that people know the most about 50, which is 50 points in a game. I'm going to start out by doing Tony Delk's 50-point game. Mm, top 10 NBA name right there. Tony, Tony Delk. Delk. I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec recently, and not only do they have a lot of basketball players making cameo appearances, but the big joke is they always have very silly-sounding names like Purred Happily, so I appreciate Tony Delk. It's a Parks and Rec basketball player name for sure. Yeah. Listen, best name is still Detlef Schrempf, but oh, it's fine. And he's in Parks and Rec? I know he he's is. great. I made the reference. You might not know who Tony Delk is because he had a strange career. He was picked 16th overall in the 1996 draft by Charlotte, and he was traded so many times. I feel like I just need to rattle off all of the trades for you. So he was traded by the Hornets to the Warriors with Muggsy Bogues for B.J. Armstrong. Then he was traded in 2003 to the Mavericks along with Antoine Walker for Chris Mills, Jeffrey Welsh, Ray LaFrance, and a 2004 first-round pick. Tony Delk and Antoine Walker were traded for Jason Terry and Alan Henderson to the Hawks. And Tony Delk just kind of had a whole-home career. He really only averaged eight points a game. But one one day, he just went fucking off. In January 2001, in an overtime game against the Kings, he scored a career-high 53 points on 20-for-27 field goal shooting. Here's some fun uh, points about Tony Delk. He was one of the shortest ever to score 50 points uh, at 6-1. The shortest person to score 50 points was Allen Iverson. He also uh, didn't shoot any threes to score 50 points, which is bananas. And he never scored more than 27 points ever in his entire career. 
What we know about Tony Delk now, though, is that he's from uh, the University of Kentucky. And for some reason, the thing that followed him around his entire career was the actress Ashley Judd. Do you know who Ashley Judd is, Mike? Yeah, she was in, like, chick flicks and stuff, right? Yeah, she was before, and she was known as a model, and now recently she has uh, become an amazing feminist activist and has stood up a lot in the Me Too movement and against Trump. But what hmm. people really knew about Ashley Judd before was that she went to the University of Kentucky and she did a notorious photo shoot, which is really... I, okay, so <laughs> it's hard for me to explain this. So there was the University of Kentucky has a hockey team which are bad because they were a a hockey team in Kentucky in college. So in order to raise money for that, she did a, I'm going to send this to you. She took a photo to raise money for the University of Kentucky hockey team, where it's just her in a model pose, just wearing a University of Kentucky jersey. So now Ashley Judd and the University of Kentucky are inexplicably linked for their entire career. She is also not wearing pants. Yeah, so I think that's a key element to the poster success. Definitely, it was definitely important. In 2004, when Tony Delk and Antoine Walker were traded to the Hawks, Hawks.com, the official Atlanta Hawks website, interviewed him and asked, since you and Antoine are both Kentucky alums, does that mean that Ashley Judd will be making some appearances here? And he was like, what a wild question. And Tony Delk is so uncomfortable. He's just like, haha, how did I know that question would come up? She is a Kentucky fan, but not a Hawks fan necessarily. So I don't know that she'll be here, but we'd love to have her. Ashley Judd's favorite Wildcat was always Tony Delk. Uh, Tony Delk Mm. came back as an assistant coach a little bit, and Ashley Judd was asked in 2010 if John Wall was now her favorite University of Kentucky player. That is the correct answer. (laughs) But she responded, did you notice Tony Delk wore a brown suit today? I think Tony will always be my favorite cat. Whoa. Wild! (laughs) Cats. Cats. Wildcats. So although Tony Delk scored 50 points, the trades that he was in and Ashley Judd will always be more interesting than him. Very nice. Very nice. I will then jump to one of mine that is very similar to Tony Delk. It's another player that scored over 50 points in a game in a very shocking way because they never did this again or ever came close. That's Corey Brewer in April of 2014. So Corey Brewer was a pretty solid basketball player. Nothing amazing. Got his job done. He's still in the league. He's had a 12-year career, so he's doing fine. But he's not necessarily the candidate you would think of for 50-point game. Much like Tony Delk, he was traded a whole lot over the course of his career, which happens when you're a middling, mildly successful person where you're just good enough to make a trade look okay, but not good enough where a team's like, we can't trade you. He was traded from Minnesota to Dallas, from Minnesota to Houston, from Houston to LA, from LA to OKC. He was traded from OKC to Philly. He's been all around. He's made a lot of money. Was he ever traded for Tony Delk? He was not, but that would have been, oh, we could have come full circle. It could have been a real Avengers situation. But one of my favorite things about Corey Brewer's career is that he had this great game in 2014 and then signed a big contract in 2015. So good for Corey. This could have got him a bunch of money. (laughs) Oops. So in April of 2014, he's playing against the Rockets, who he joined the following year. So again, maybe he got a a big contract and on the Rockets because he had a good game against the Rockets. So he was not someone that would score this much that season. He only scored over 20 points six times. 
and he scored less than 15 points in 53 out of 81 games that year. So not a big scorer at all. Corey Brewer only steps up when he really needs to, which is apparently when there are agents in the crowd ready to give him tons of money. We turn to one of the publications that we have a struggling relationship with, and that's the Oklahoman, where they either do very good things or they do very bad things. In this case, they wrote a very good article about when Corey Brewer joined the team. They were like, hey, remember that time you scored 51 points? Here's some information about Corey Brewer. In this article, they point out that on the night that he scored 51 points, someone interviewed LeBron, who was on the heat at the time, and they said, hey, LeBron, did you hear about Corey Brewer? And he said, nah. And then the reporter said, he scored 51 tonight. And LeBron said, wait, who? <laughs> I mean, like, again, totally fair. <laughs> Who is Corey Brewer? <laughs> LeBron doesn't need to be friends with every single NBA player. Like, come on. <laughs> Very true. Especially Miami Heat LeBron, who was the villain of the league. So Brewer played 45 out of the potential 48 minutes of the game, made 19 out of 30 shots. He made 11 free throws as well. And... Funny enough, he only made two three-pointers. It was made up solely of acrobatic layups. Wow. And it's very interesting. I'll put a link to, there's a YouTube video that just has all the baskets he made from that game. We'll put that on the website. It's just interesting to see him just kind of go into traffic, kind of make an interesting wild layup. And he got hit and won for a bunch of them. He also made a 50-footer at halftime. So it's just this bananas game from Corey Brewer. But my favorite thing about it, and I'll send you the link so you can watch this Eric, is that after the game, he is just so truly, genuinely happy. Just <laughs> the most enormous ear-to-ear -ear smile. Ricky Rubio jumps on his back and everything, and I cannot think of a time that I saw someone so happy playing a sport, and it makes me really happy, and it's the content I need right now. It's like that ESPN commercial that they started showing right in, in kind of like the beginning of quarantine. We're like, oh, we miss sports. And it's like all the people being emotional. <laughs> they should have just cut in Corey Brewer being super happy. He's so happy. And it's just like such a genuine, goofy smile. He recognizes how absurd it is. And watching the highlight of it, the announcers are like, Corey Brewer again. Like Everyone's surprised. He's surprised. It's great. It's wholesome. I love it. Shout out to Corey Brewer. Very, very good. Well, you did just mention Clay Thompson. So it is important for me to share this story with you. Uh, and the 50 is 50 feet away, which is the amazing story of Clay Thompson shooting from 50 feet out. Mm. This is just such an amazing story about Clay Thompson. Iguodala detailed a moment during a team building exercise where players were asked to talk about a moment in a game that they felt their highest. Clay was like, the beginning of the game that one time I was really high. I mean, uh... <laughs> this one time I was sitting with my dog and I was smoking a dube and drinking chocolate milk. I mean, milk. drinking chocolate milk. I like to imagine that Steve Kerr has like everyone sitting in Oracle Arena, like sitting on the ground cross-legged. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Crisscross applesauce, baby. Exactly. Okay. Everyone is sharing their most amazing moments. When Clay's turn came, we all assumed he was going to say his highest moment was the day he scored 37 points in a quarter against Sacramento, Iguodala writes. I mean, that was an NBA record, but he didn't. Instead, he said, my best moment was one night I caught a pass and I was like 50 feet from the basket and I was about to shoot it. And all of a sudden, I hear Andre being like, what the fuck, Clay? You're 50 feet out. And I thought about it for a second and shot it anyway. It went in and I was like, yeah, Andre, fuck you. 
I heard this quote when Audrey was making the media rounds promoting this book, and gosh, it never fails to make me chuckle. It's so good. My favorite thing about this is that everyone just started laughing, but Andre Iguodala is still like, wow, really, Doc? That was your best moment? It's very important that Andre Iguodala needs to add at the end that what Clay Thompson is saying is incredibly fucked up. I'm sure, I'm sure like everyone else on the Warriors is laughing about it. And Andre Iguodala is like, that's a wild thing to say. <laughs> it's your best moment ever, guys. Like, are you not taking this team building seriously, Clay? What's especially good about it is that it was his teammate that trash talked him into it because most often you would have the situation where if you were far away, some guy would be saying something to you like, oh, shoot it, I dare you, something like that, which I have been on the receiving end of and I've also made it and then talked shit to that person after making it. But when it's your teammate, that's the next level. Everyone check your bingo cards. Mike did just talk about shit talking and he did talk about mm -hmm. how good he is mm -hmm. at basketball. Just good. Just check that off. Oh, I've also done the opposite where I like try to say something and then I break it off the front of the rim a many a time. I'm sure. But we only remember the times that are successful. So, you know, history is written by the winners. <laughs> so I think that it's especially funny that his teammate is the one that instigated it because Andre's just trying to help here. He's not trying to egg him on or anything. He's just trying to be a helpful teammate. Like, hey, Clay, probably not a smart shot to shoot. And then Clay decided to turn this into an extra fuck you and then an extra, extra fuck you by bringing it up in a team building <laughs> event. Team building. Remember that time I shit on Andre real good? Ha 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 ha. I'm Clay Thompson. That was my favorite moment in basketball ever. <laughs> was was proving Andre wrong. My teammate was trying to be nice to me and helpful to the team, and I told him to go fuck himself with my basketball skills. Because I'm incredibly good at basketball. I demonstrated that I am better than him at basketball. That was my favorite moment in my NBA career. Hey, I mean, the real loser of this situation is Andre Guadalla for doubting Clay Thompson. You never do it. I think the real loser is every team that played the Warriors during that stretch. Gosh, truly horrific. Truly horrific for teams not named the Warriors. Just It was pretty bad. I just like, what are you supposed to do when Clay gets hot? It's just like, oh, I guess, all right, well, I'm done playing basketball. I'm just going to let this guy, just, I'm just going to let him play. It's like, what can you do? You just, you just turn off the game. <laughs> yeah, and then the Jazz rage quit. <laughs> they threw their controllers down and they all left. <laughs> So the second story that I have prepared is another statistical one, and this is about someone from your least favorite team out there, the Los Angeles Lakers. It's Wilt Chamberlain, because one time he had 55 rebounds in a game. That's a lot of rebounds, Mike. In current NBA, there will be games where there aren't 55 rebounds collected by a team in a That's game. That's true. Now, in current NBA. People are better at shooting. We don't have all these. <laughs> they're, they're much better at basketball. We don't have Herb Jensen shooting one-handed free throws and stuff. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> we don't have, uh, oh, I was going to say Tony Delk again. Perrin Happily isn't out there. Yeah, Perrin Happily isn't taking set shots from 15 out and then missing. Regardless, 55 rebounds is an absolute feat of an accomplishment. And what's especially fun about Wilt Chamberlain just existing in this time period and being such a unicorn of basketball is that they had to keep changing the rules because of Wilt Chamberlain. And we've talked about this with Shaq, about how they had to change how baskets were made because he kept breaking them. Before that, the NBA had to keep changing rules 
because Wilt Chamberlain was too good at basketball, and that is the truest sign of being good, is, ah, we must change the way the sport is played. I feel like this is a real, like, working man's rebound. It's like Wilt Chamberlain's just so big, he just kind of, like, plucks it out of the air. This is kind of like the opposite <laughs> of what we were saying about Dennis Rodman, how right. the last dance made all of his rebounds seem like really cool where he's like oh i was watching the way the, i was watching the way the ball bounced and then i jumped up and i grabbed it and pulled it down will chamberlain was just like cherry picking he's like oh look there's a basketball oh, there's if a you basketball. ask dennis rodman about how he rebounds he tells you that he watches the spins and knows where the ball will go if it hits a particular part of the rim if you ask will chamberlain how he gets rebounds he goes well i stood under the basket and then i grabbed the ball <laughs> That was my strategy. Have you ever been grocery shopping <laughs> and you're in the produce aisle and you just pick up a melon and then you pick up another melon and you pick up a melon? It's like that. That's my strategy. You know when your short wife asks you to get something out of the tallest cabinet? That's what it feels like. <laughs> so, but the other team is your short wife. But we don't love them because they're the other team. So the rules that had to be changed because of Wilt Chamberlain's dominance is that they widened the lane. So the painted part under the basket where during free throws, people have to stay away from it. They widened that to 16 feet. They prohibited offensive goaltending. So that's a rule where if the ball is in the imaginary cylinder that extends up above the rim and your own team shoots it, you can't just like grab it and put it in. So they had to put that rule in probably for the best. And then they also had to change the rule that when you shoot free throws, you can't cross the line until the shot hits the rim of the basket, which was put in place because Wilt Chamberlain kept dunking his foul shots. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that before. It's it, it never gets old. No, it doesn't. Imaginary cylinder is always my favorite thing about basketball. You can imagine the refs are imagined, you know, like in a word problem, like in algebra when you were learning geometry. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Speaking my oh, language. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about fucking math, Mike. Your favorite. Oh, my yes. If you have alternate horse bingo and the things that never happen, <laughs> you can check Eric talked about math willingly and in a positive light. It's like, <laughs> imagine. Imagine a basketball hoop and an imaginary cylinder goes all the way up to the ceiling. What is the area of this imaginary cylinder? And then you got to look mm. on your booklet, the cylinder area equation is, and then you fill it in and then you pass the regents exam and you pass geometry too. You know, like basketball. Uh, if anyone's wondering, that volume equation would be par square times height. Anyway, uh, I, that's my... I know what it is, <laughs> but, but they give it to you on the booklet just in case. Very true. And that is my second story. All right, there you go. Well, Mike, uh, everyone get your horse bingo ready. I do need to talk about the best player who ever wore the number 50, who is David Robinson. But oh. this is just a secret way for me to talk about Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This one is recent, but it, it's it's so necessary after we talk about The Last Dance. So remember, we talked about The Last Dance, how Michael Jordan loved to empower himself by imagining that people slighted him so that he could get the extra advantage to really dig deep in his bones to make sure to destroy the other team. That really affected a lot of players that came after him, including Shaquille O'Neal. Let's talk about David Robinson for a second. This is kind of lost because we understand the Spurs to be like Popovich, Tim Duncan, French rapper Tony Parker. Manu Ginobili, the bat killer. Right, the bat killer. Th those are the people we remember. But David Robinson was the spur before all of that. He was amazing. 
he the admiral was the MVP for the 94-95 season. He finished top seven in that vote seven other years. He was named to 10 All-NBA teams, and he was first ballot a Hall of Famer. He also looks like a ripped statue come to life. That's true. That's true. The dude's muscles are phenomenal, and he also got his full education fully graduated before joining the league. Right, didn't he go to... The Naval Academy. He went to the Naval Academy. That's why he's the admiral. And because of his upbringing, going to the Naval Academy and being a righteous Christian fella, he's just like a really nice dude. So nice. <laughs> he's just a really... Everyone knows him just as a really nice guy. He like he signs a bunch of all this stuff for fans. Like he's very cordial to all of his teammates and people he plays against. He's just like a really, really good dude. Except there was this weird outlier. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal told this story that he was a kid in Texas. And when he was a kid, David Robinson was, I don't know, doing something in Texas. Maybe it was like a pickup game or like a, a benefit or something. And Shaquille O'Neal, as a youth, <laughs> like brought a hat to David Robinson. And David Robinson refused to sign the hat or whatever Shaquille O'Neal was bringing, whatever story he was telling. But recently... Only a few weeks ago, Shaquille O'Neal admitted that this story was false. Oh, no. <laughs> that he was blatantly lying about David Robinson for years. Uh, there was a 90s reunion Zoom call right after the last dance was finishing. Oh, when... it was so good. There are highlights of it on YouTube for anyone that missed it, and they just have some of the best moments. It's fantastic. This is my favorite moment because there were some amazing people on there. So you have to imagine, this is a 12-person Zoom call. So it's David Robinson, Shaq, and like 10 other NBA players in this giant like family-style Zoom call. And Shaq is like, <laughs> Shaq is like yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry that I made this up. I've been making it up for years. Uh... <laughs> It's so funny because Shaq is so, like, embarrassed about it. He should be. <laughs> because he has to admit it to, like, everyone else. But the thing is, David Robinson is such a nice guy that he, like, had already forgiven Shaq because Shaq told him when they were on the Olympic team together. Uh, we were sitting on the plane, and I said, Shaq, man, what's all this stuff about me not signing an autograph? And he was like, man, I'm sorry about that. I made it up. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, and I don't know that we've ever talked about this in Horace, this could be a future that actually happened, is that they had a little bit of a beef where there was a season in which David Robinson intentionally scored 70 points in the last game of the season so that Shaq wouldn't win the scoring title that year. Right. So that was like the meanest thing David Robinson ever did was score a lot of points so that he could win an award. So was, you mean be competitive? <laughs> Yeah, that's like, the oh. meanest thing he ever did. And Shaq's like, ah, I'm going to besmirch your entire reputation. I can only imagine <laughs> watching these giant men sit next to each other and then Shaq, like young Shaq, leaning over to David Robinson and be like, hey, uh, I'm sorry for making that stuff up about, about you being mean. Like, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry about that. Do you think that we can make up uh, with it over some barbecue chicken? <laughs> The best part about on the Zoom call, Shaq admits to it. And like the other 10 NBA stars are just like, ah! <laughs> just like <laughs> laughing and screaming. It was really fun. And some of the best moments from that Zoom call are when the players all laugh at something or when people are fighting to be the person to tell the story. <laughs> and, and like people just keep yelling until finally the last man standing is just like, hey, 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 hey. Okay, so it was 1996. <laughs> <laughs> What's really funny about this is that a lot of these 90 stars are very gregarious and are really good at 
speaking, like they're all incredibly charismatic. Mm -hmm. You have to know it's like we're talking about like Shaq and Charles Barkley and all of these guys. But David Robinson is just like a nice guy and is like sitting like really nicely and calmly. And then all of a sudden Shaq's like, oh, David, I have to come clean. And everyone's like, what? (laughs) It's like the quiet person like in your class, like has a secret hobby throwing shuriken or something. It's so funny. Hell yeah. So what I have prepared for this final celebration of the number 50 is using the number 50 that makes me think of the perfect dunk, and that's the highest score that you can get in a dunk contest is 50. Mm. So I did a little bit of research about the origins of the dunk contest, and there's a lot of very interesting things that I learned along the way. All right, hit me. So for anyone that's unaware, before the NBA existed, there was the ABA and the NBA going on at the same time. They eventually had a merger in 1976, and leading up to this merger, the NBA started to show that it was the more successful league, and the ABA was floundering a little bit. Now, there are some reasons, mainly in that the NBA was a lot whiter than Mm -hmm. the ABA, so maybe that's why they got treated better with television contracts and stuff like that, but that's another discussion. When they were merging the two leagues, the NBA had better structure but the ABA was way more fun and had a lot of the better players. And one of the biggest things that the ABA had that the NBA later ended up adopting was the dunk contest. Mm. So we go to 1976. This is the last ABA season and the league is not doing very well. It seems very eminent that it's going to merge with the NBA. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when and how. They had an all-star game that year. There were only seven teams in the league. So what the all-star game that year was in Denver is that the Nuggets just played an all-star team of every other team. (laughs) That was the all-star game. Honestly, that's pretty funny. I kind of like that. It's like a students versus teachers high school game. Yeah, so because they knew that this wasn't going to really put butts in seats, they had to do something interesting. And Carl Shear, who was one of the executives on the Nuggets, said, We had to come up with a concept that would get everyone's attention. We were in serious trouble. We knew that it was our last year and we had to make a big impression. We felt the All-Star Game was our big showcase, our swan song, so to speak. We needed to have something dramatic to show the world and the NBA that our product was worthwhile for their league. We had to show that we had great players, great ideas, and great contests. This feels like the meet-cute version of it is this guy looks over (laughs) and sees Dr. J just like spinning a basketball and then dunking it super hard and he's like, I got it! So this dunk contest was a little bit different than what you'll see today. The way it was set up is that the players had two minutes to complete five dunks from specific areas on the court. So they had to do one from a standing position directly under the basket. They had to do one that was like 10 feet away from the basket inside the foul lane. And then they had three freelance moves, as they were called. And they had freelance moves, (laughs) which just meant that they had to come from each side of the lane and then from one one of the two corners. I thought it was a dunk, but you don't give it health care. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, you pay somebody else under what they deserve to do a dunk for you instead. You hire an independent contractor. They have to invoice you before you do the dunk. <laughs> so much like the current dunk contest, they were rated on a scale of 5 to 10. And they very strategically put Julius Irving, Dr. J, 
last. Of course. Which was very smart because, you know, the other guys got up there and they did some dunks. And then Julius gets up and does the hold my beer equivalent of dunking. And right off the bat, he grabs the two balls and his first dunk from standing under the rim is dunking two basketballs in one dunk. And everyone's like, oh God. Why has no one done that before? Like no one's done that recently. That's amazing. (laughs) So then he goes to this spot that was 10 feet away. There was a piece of tape that was like, you have to dunk from behind this line, which is multiple steps in from the foul line. And Julius Irving, instead of lining up with this line, goes to the foul line and then adjusts his feet and then starts walking away from the foul line, counting his steps. And then Ron Boone, who was one of the all-stars on the Spirit of St. Louis, said he walked up to the free throw line and started making these steps off, going back to the other end of the court. Well, you knew it was coming. Ooh, he's going to take off from the free throw line. Everybody was on the edge of their seats watching. The anticipation was great. Everyone went, ooh. (laughs) Everyone at the same time, there wasn't a roar of the crowd. Everyone at the same time went, ooh, Ooh. he's going to take off from the free throw line in unison. (laughs) The best part about it, and I'll put a link to the video on the website, is that the camera crew is all set up at half court. And Julius Irving goes past half court to get a running start. So all of the camera crew has to scurry out of the way to give Dr. J his run through. (laughs) So Boone about this dunk says, then he went and took off. His afro was big then and it was blowing. He went up and threw that baby down and the crowd went crazy. So the crowd goes absolutely bananas. They all go ooh at the same time. They all go ooh in unison. And the other dunks that he does are also absolutely fantastic. But just right off the bat, Dr. J dunks two balls at once and then does a free throw line dunk. And it's just a true testament of, oh, I'm Dr. J. I'm very good at basketball, especially the dunking part. Or we need to do that actually happen of how Dr. J came to the NBA. He's just such a mythical creature, and the way that they dealt with him was so fucked up. It's so important. Yes, the Dr. J documentary is absolutely fantastic, and my favorite thing about it is that they have interviews, obviously, with current-day old Dr. J, and they keep, throughout the hour-long documentary, splicing in him slowly running up to a basket as if he's going (laughs) to dunk. And they show, like, more progress every 10 minutes or so. So you just wonder, is he actually going to dunk? And then, of course, spoiler alert, at the end, he just fucking yams it, even though he's 60-whatever-years-old. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. (laughs) So Dr. J about this dunk says, I wish I knew that much at the time to be able to say that it was going to be as memorable as it was and as it is. I didn't know it would be something that would be picked up by the NBA and carried forward and taken to new heights or popularity and challenge. So I love that even about this amazing thing where they asked him, hey, Dr. J, remember that time you were the best at something and you looked really cool? He still gives a really profound quote about it. Yeah, because his favorite NBA moment was when he did CPR on one of his teammates. Actually, what happened was before he did the dunk, his teammate went, hey, I bet you can't do that dunk from... (laughs) Hey, Dr. J, why are you pacing from the free throw line? You can't dunk from that far away. And then he said, fuck you. (laughs) And then he's like, fuck you, Andre. And Andre Iguodala was like, that's just uncalled for. I was not even there. I'm negative eight years old. That's in the paperback of The Sixth Man. Andre Iguodala writes about this story where Dr. J told him to fuck himself. (laughs) So that is my final story. And that concludes this very special three-on-three draft, paying homage to the number 50 in our 51st episode of Horse. Wonderful. 10, 10, 10, 
10. ten. <laughs> 50 points for horse. We're the best Yay. sports podcast. Oh, what's this? A nine from Dwayne Wade? <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Wade was talking to everyone else. He thought they were going to give horse a nine, but he gave us a nine. I thought we were going to alternate sixes and nines, and I was a nine. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to give horse 69 because they love that number. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Eric Silver and Mike Schubert. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Campomanes. And the website is by Kelly Schubert. Oh, is she the one who really likes Zombies Run? She is. Oh, and she's shit. the one that gave us the idea for 50. <laughs> Special thanks to our producer-level patrons, Brianne Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Cody Powell, Salvador Testa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burridge, I work with Eric's dad, Shooby Dooby Doo, I am Adam Silver, Godzilla got busy, Watcher Vandermaine, Man on Heising, Soap Slams, Chops, Steph Curry for three, Siobhan Ellsbury, Kendra Hatley, He Sells Seashells, Eileen Gazesh, Catherine Lee, Og Milk, Laurent Gines, and Leia Loveless. You can find us on the internet at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook, and Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter, because as we say every episode, it's because... Horse Hoops told Clay Thompson he couldn't make a 50-foot three-pointer. <laughs> and then Twitter said, fuck you, and banned them. Mm-hmm. Uh, our website is horsehoops.com, which has all of our research and visual stuff you didn't see, because this is a podcast. And if you want bonus content like Eric and I talking extra about basketball or us turning three on three to five on fives, we just updated some of the backlog of some five on fives. So there's a whole fresh crop of them up there, as well as the jerseys that we're going to start mailing out and stickers. There's so many good things over at patreon.com slash horse hoops. You should also listen to the other shows on Multitude, which is a podcast collective and studio where we make podcasts about what we love for the people who love them, too. For this, we usually do a plug for Multitude, but uh, donate wherever you can. Uh, there is a link in this episode description and there are links everywhere. Just do your part to support the protesters, fuck the police, justice for Breonna Taylor, and justice for George Floyd. And as we round out every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and then say something on the count of three. It is only fair to pay homage to LeBron James' wonderful recognition of Corey Brewer's 51-point game by saying, Wait, who? <laughs> on the count of three. Okay. So, one, two, three. Wait, who? Who's Corey? Corey who? Corey Hoover? I only know Tony Delk. <laughs> More like Scory Brewer, am I right? Hey! <laughs> Ascends into heaven. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye, Mike. Woo. If you had Mike dying on your horse bingo card, you can just check that off now. 